You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, I trust you've been encouraged tonight by the singing of the servants of the Lord. Appreciate the wonderful message and the songs that they sing. I pray it's been a challenge to you to think about those words, whether you're facing a storm, whether there's some problem in your life, you look to the Lord for your salvation, of course, your sustenance each day, your prayer life should be encouraged, and of course, we thank the Lord that we love the cross. Without the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, there'd be no hope for us. We thank the Lord for that. I want to say thank you for loaning us your pastor over the years and his dear wife. Thank the Lord for his opportunity to minister and serve with us on the board of directors preach for us from time to time and be able to uh, lead and direct our college in the way of righteousness. What a blessing that is. Thank you for praying for us, for sending us students, for financially supporting us. What a great blessing it is to be able to see the folks that are back home uh, working their jobs, putting in the offerings for missions that you might help support us there at Heartland Baptist Bible College. We do not take that for granted. What a great blessing it is to be a part of the work that God's commissioned you to be involved with and we partake of as a great blessing of the Lord. Thank you again, Pastor, for the privilege to be here today, and thank you for allowing me to stand in your stead tonight. I pray to be a blessing to the servants of God as we gather together under the word of the Lord. If you have your Bible tonight, the book of Romans, chapter number one, you find your place if you would, Romans chapter number one. And once you find your place, if you're able tonight, would you stand in honor of the word of the Lord? Romans chapter number one, I wanna pick up in verse number eight, and I'm gonna read through verse number 17. Romans chapter number one, verse number eight, the Bible says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would you not, excuse me, now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul here writes to the church at Rome and explains to them the importance of being justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Understanding that without the cross of Calvary, there'd be no hope of salvation. See, the gospel is the description and declaration of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He went to the cross of Calvary and died for the sins of the whole world. We have redemption in him. So for a few moments tonight, I'd like to draw our attention to this passage of Scripture and preach on this subject. I love the cross. 
and I trust that you do as well. May God bless reading this word, let us be seated at this time. The year was 1969. As an 11-year-old boy, I didn't have much money, but back in those days, you could gather pop bottles for two cents, and you could trade them in. Sometimes you would be able to go to the grocery stores, and if you had no money, you could go to the stores, and they would offer green stamps. When you purchased something, they gave you green stamps for every dollar that you purchased. And many times, folks did not collect those green stamps. They just threw them away. So as a young boy, I made my way down to the Sixpies grocery store. It was privately owned and operated. As I made my way down there, I asked some people if they were going to save their green stamps. They said, no, we're not interested in saving the green stamps. And so I said, could I have them? They said, why, sure. And so I collected green stamps like a beggar at the front door of the Sixpies grocery store. Sometimes they would ask me, Pastor, what do you want to do with the green stamps? I said, I want to get enough green stamps where I can cash them in down at the store. Because they had a catalog store in town where you could go and once you filled up the books of the green stamps, you could redeem that catalog and pick, purchase something or get something for free from the catalog store. So this particular case in 1969, I was desirous of getting a radio. Back in those days, it was an AM radio. Now we've come a long way since that time. Some of you weren't even born in 1969, but stay with me for the opportunity that I'm going to share, all right? Back in 1969, I began to save some of these green stamps, and I had some friends that would help me, and we'd go at the grocery store. Sometimes we'd find them in the parking lot where they dropped them on the way out. Cars had run over them. Hey, but they were still green stamps, a little Scotch tape. You could get them in there. They would stay in there just fine. And so I remembered gathering these books and doing what I could and begging for stamps along the way, made my way down to the catalog store, and I knew that when I got down there, I knew exactly what I was going to get, an AM transistor radio. You say, why? Because I wanted to listen to the Chicago Cubs play baseball. I couldn't be there for some of the games, and I was raised in northern Indiana. And so the Chicago Cubs, and by the way, in 1969, they had a whopper lead on everybody, and we thought they were going to take it home and win the World Series that year. False hope, we found out later. But anyway, we uh, talked about doing that, so I got my transistor radio out, and I loved that radio, and so I would listen to the ball games. I'd listen to the Cubs, and then some guy named Tug McGraw for the New York Mets came along and said, you gotta believe, you gotta believe, you gotta believe. And they thought they believed well enough that they could overtake the Chicago Cubs and they could win the pennant that year. And sure enough, to the heartbreak of we Cub fans, they broke our hearts and the New York Mets won the pennant that year. I did not throw my radio away because I still listened to ball games the next year and the next year and the next year. And of course, nowadays we have different ways of listening to ball games. But I still have at my office at Heartland Baptist Bible College a little AM transistor radio from over 50 years, almost 50 years ago. Probably an antique by now. And it looks just fine. I'm thinking, and I, and I love my radio. I love that radio because it opened up the avenue of understanding to the Chicago Cubs. I could hear the players. I could hear them batting. I could hear with the, the announcers and Don Kessinger and Ron Santo and, and different men of God that were trying to uh, be involved in their lives, trying to tell them the gospel message. They just kind of rejected them, but I'm thinking, I can share the gospel with them. Just give me a chance to go down there. But in reality, you know, they didn't get saved, many of them, but they were ball players. They were fun. And so I loved my radio so much that I carried it everywhere that I went. To this day, I didn't throw it away. I still have that transistor radio. Now, it's insignificant basically to me now, but yet I have that remembrance of the joy I had in my heart by redeeming those green stamps 
to get that radio, the hard work that I went through to get it. And I could say that I loved that radio. I loved listening to the ball games. Eventually, I moved away from the Chicago Cubs because they couldn't play very well. And I started chasing the big red machine, the Cincinnati Reds. They started playing really well, and they won a lot, Johnny Bench and all those others that were involved there. And so I became a Cincinnati Reds fan to the dismay of my father. He was a St. Louis Cardinal fan because he couldn't stand the Cubs because they kept losing all the time. But aren't you glad we don't base our spiritual life on ball games? But I love that radio, and, and to this day I still have a remembrance of the work and effort I put into that. I probably don't know really why I did it, but I wanted to have a radio, and I paid the price for it. Hey, listen, if you can say you love ice cream, or you love your family, or you love your car, or you love your church, that's one thing. But let's remind ourselves that somebody took time years ago to tell you about your Savior. And you asked Jesus Christ to become your personal Savior. Don't ever get over what's happened. Do you love the cross tonight? I know we're here tonight because it's part of our life. But may we be reminded tonight about the importance of the cross. I'd like to take us back to Romans chapter number one here and show you the situation that Paul was in as he declares these truths to them. You see, I believe that if you're a child of God, a transformed life is a powerful declaration of what God can do in a person's life. We can be a sweet testimony of the glory and grace of God. Paul was prepared to enter this powerful city of Rome and to give to them the word of God. He was not going to change his approach. Everywhere he went, every town that he went in, he said, I love the cross, and I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes they locked him up and threw him in prison. And when he was in jail, he wrote letters. And in those letters, he said, remember my bonds. But he didn't write that first. In the first chapters, he said, pray that a door of utterance would be opened up for me, that the furtherance of the gospel might be revealed. You see, he took every situation in his life as a blessing from God, and he knew that God could help him to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because he loved the cross. Years ago, I pastored in the state of Indiana and uh, moved from Indiana to Oklahoma City. This starting my 15th year now at the college, and my wife and I being gathered together working. And so uh, I remember times that we would have people visiting, and we had a lot of folks that were school teachers. And they would talk about school and they would try to implement the gospel. And I had opportunity in a small town of 512 where I pastored to go to the schools for convocations, to share the gospel of Christ, to be on the radio. Had all kinds of opportunity given to us to share the gospel message. Even had a teacher one time that came to church as a visitor. And I made a statement in the sermon. And I said, you know, the, the mathematics of the cross is wonderful for a child of God. Because it will subtract you from the lake of fire. It will add you to the Lord's heaven, it will multiply your lasting treasure, and it will divide you from a sinful, curseful world. And he went back to school the next day and he told them what I said. And he told them where it came from, and we had young people that came to, to the church just because they heard something, because the guy taught mathematics, he took what I gave, and he used it for his life to share with other people. Small towns, you can get away with some of that. But I want to remind us of the Apostle Paul here. The Apostle Paul is on his way now describing to them that he's serving God. He'd love to be with them in Rome, but he's not been able to visit them, but he's reminding them, I'm coming. And when I do come, I'd love to, I have something I want to share with you. I have blessings for you. And so he proclaims the gospel message to them as he gets around them. Those of you would please back in verse number eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So what we find here is that Paul was eager 
to assemble with the believers in Rome for the purpose of edification. He wanted to gather together with them for the purpose of edification. He said, I want to gather with you. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith, their testimony, was known throughout the whole world. Verse 9, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, because he loved the cross, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come on you. So Paul is saying, I would love to come and see you. I'd love to come and spend some time with you. He was eager to assemble with the believers. He wanted to be with God's people in Rome. Hey, isn't it great when God's people want to be together? They want to serve the Lord with gladness, understanding the goodness of God. He said, you pray for my journey that it be prosperous. Verse 11, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. So what he does here in verse number eight, he expresses thanksgiving for their Christian testimony. He is thankful to God that their testimony of the grace of God has transformed their life, beloved, and everybody knows wherever they go, they're living like they're saved. Isn't that important? Being thankful for the goodness of God, living like we're saved as servants of God, we find that their their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world. It was proclaimed throughout the whole Roman Empire. You know, some are known as electricians and plumbers and doctors and lawyers. And well and good, your car breaks down, a good mechanic, you're looking for it. If something happens with your electrical system, you want an electrician to try to help you. When it comes to Christianity, we want people that are not hypocrites. He's saying, I want you to understand that I've heard about your faith throughout the whole world, and it's not a testimony that is fractured. It's a testimony of God's grace and goodness. What a blessing it is to him. And then he says, I want you to know in verse 9, I pray regularly for the believers in Rome, and I trust the Lord to bring him safely to the place where you are. You know, isn't it great when your pastor can pray for you? Many of you have called pastor, pastor's wife, and you've said, would you pray for me about this situation? There may be somebody having surgery this week. There may be a loss of a loved one recently in your family. There may be adversity in your life. There may be some sorrow right now subduing you in your life or some trial that is tearing away tonight in your life or some heartache that is hindering you in your life tonight and you need the victory of God. You can call your pastor. He can pray for you. You can call your brothers and sisters in Christ. They can encourage you and pray for you. You can go on for God. What a blessing to be thankful for each other and to pray for one another. Prayer is vitally important in the work of God, in the service of our Savior. So he prayed regularly for the believer. Notice also, he says, I want to come unto you, in verse 11, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. You say, oh, yes, I knew he had an ulterior motive. You know those preachers, you just can't trust them. There's probably some other reason why he wants to be there. It says he wanted to impart. That means to share or to give a spiritual gift. The nature of the gift is not described here. But I personally believe that if you'll understand who Paul was, and you understand the writings of the 13 books of Paul, 14 if you count the book of Hebrews, that he was definitely a teacher of the word and a preacher of the gospel. Everywhere that Paul went, everywhere, even in jail, he says, what has happened to me has happened for the furtherance of the gospel. The cross of Christ, everywhere he went, he said, I want you to know I love the cross. I love what Christ did for me on the cross. He's telling these folks at Rome, 
don't forget the cross. I want to impart to you some spiritual gift when I come. And it's amazing how God can use different believers to impart spiritual gifts to the church that God places them in. There's only one pastor here, but there's many people that are here. And you can have a place of responsibility in your service to God. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, this church in chapter 1 comes behind in no gift. Do you realize tonight that you are a vital link to the ministry of Eastside Baptist Church? Every one of you are important to this ministry. Every one of you have a connection. Every one of you have an opportunity and a responsibility, young or old, to be connected in practical form to the church that God's placed you in. You ought to be praying one for another. You ought to be excited about being in the house of God. Bring your Bible to the house of God. Be concerned about following after the ways of the Lord. He says, I want to share with you a spiritual gift. Your Sunday school teacher shares the word of God with you. Whether you're in junior high, whether you're in the nursery area, or even the adult section, God has given gifts to the church. Different gifts of mercy and faith and administration. We understand all of that. But aren't you recognizing tonight that God loves you? He cares for you. The church needs you, and God needs you right here in this church to honor and serve him. He said, I want you to know, Paul said, I want you to know that your faith, your faith is a comfort to me. Look at verse 12. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. You know, I think the last time I was here, pastors, about six years ago, and there weren't very many houses out here. The Lord has just dropped some in on you, amen. And however you got them there, amen, you're there. And the sinners are abound. And some of you live in the neighborhood, I'm not trying to cause havoc here, because the Bible says we're all sinners. We're all dead in trespassing and sin. But we can be made alive in Christ Jesus through the power of the cross of Calvary. We understand that. So he's relating here that you're saved and I'm saved. We need to encourage each other in our faith. Encourage each other with the word of God. Don't keep it a secret that you're saved. Share it with somebody. Let it be known. Let people understand who Christ is. And so he said, I want to share my faith with you. I want you to be blessed in that opportunity. So he says, I want to be a comfort. He said, there were people in the ministry that he wanted to be a blessing to, and he knew that they would be a blessing to him. You need each other. We need each other. We need to be in church together, working for the cause of Christ. There are too many churches now with hypocrites. I hope there's not any here. But if there are, we can change that tonight. We can want to follow after Christ the way we should as we serve the Lord. So Paul was eager. Would you agree that Paul was eager to assemble with the believers for the purpose of edification. It's fine right here in the scriptures. First, I thank God for who you are, what you're doing. I want to be with you. I want to share God's truth with you. I want you to know that I know that you're saved by the grace of God. You've trusted the cross of Calvary to bear your sins for you. Christ Jesus on that cross has done it for you. He said, I want you to understand that edification is good as people of God. But he didn't stop there. Look at the next verse, verse 13. Now, it's always good when preachers do that kind of connection, you know. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was led hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. So Paul was not only eager to assemble with the believers in Rome for the purpose of edification, but Paul was eager to come to Rome for the purpose of evangelism. He wanted to evangelize. He says, I want some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. He said, whenever I preach, whenever I share the truth, I believe that God has the power through the cross to see people saved. The gospel can change people's lives. Hey, when you invite folks to the house of God here, don't you believe that pastor's going to preach the word of God to them? 
Don't you believe that God can save people? That it's not just a place where the saints gather together, it's a lighthouse for the lost. We have a responsibility to share the truth of God. So Paul is saying, hey, I want some fruit among you. I want to be able to share the gospel with you. I want to get to Rome. I want to preach at Rome. Not because he was a legend in his own mind. He was just obeying the voice of God. He wanted to share the truth of God. He said, I love the cross. I want to tell you what God has done for me. Hey, on the Damascus Road, his whole life was changed. He never got over it. And you and I need to realize that people need the Lord. And we that know him are the only ones that are able to share him. So he said, I want them to know that I'm eager to come to Rome because I want to evangelize. I want the Romans to be saved that aren't saved. Notice if you would please in verse 14, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. We know that Paul was hindered in his previous plan to come to them, but he wanted to come to Rome that he might have fruit as he did in other regions, other places. Just like in Acts 16, whenever they were praying, a man was praying and Paul said, the Lord forbid him to go to a certain place in Asia. But he went to Macedonia, knowing assuredly that God had called him there. Along with Silas, Timotheus, they proclaimed the gospel. Lydia got saved. Her household got saved. The young girl that was troubled with the spirit of divination, her life was transformed and changed. The Philippian jailer got saved. His whole household got saved and baptized. All because somebody loved the cross and shared the gospel message. It's amazing what God can do if we'll just realize the power of the cross. It has the power to transform lives. So Paul says, I'm a debtor. Paul viewed himself as a debtor. A debtor is one who is under obligation. The term here is used for those who are under financial obligation. Here it is used basically in a spiritual obligation. Paul is saying, I am obligated by the grace of God to deliver the gospel message that God has given unto me. Now listen, if you work for a local delivery company, you're obligated to deliver those packages that have been entrusted to your care. Would you agree with that? Then you can also rightfully keep, you can't keep the packages for yourself. They don't belong to you. You cannot wait for a convenient time to fill your obligation to take those packages and deliver them two weeks from now. You have responsibility. You must deliver the packages regardless of your feelings, whether it's late at night, whatever's going on in your life, you have to do what you're required to do. You have obligation. Listen, if you and I are saved by the grace of God, we are obligated to transfer the gospel to other people, to tell other people about the grace of God. You owe it to others to let them know that you love the cross. And I believe folks are continually doing that, whether it's here in Sioux Falls, whether it was this morning in Sioux City, in Iowa, wherever we're going to go on our journey, we're going to meet children of God, saints of the Lord, all across this country that love God that love the cross, that want to tell people about the gospel message because it changed their life, and they know it can change other people's lives. They were understanding of that. So we are obligated to share that truth. Paul also said he was a debtor to the Greeks and the barbarians here. That means he was obligated to pass on the gospel message to those who were cultured and those that were less refined, if I can say it that way. They were not basically what everybody thought they should be like doesn't matter who you are, cultured or otherwise, educated or otherwise, rich or otherwise, people need the Lord. And Paul said, I love the cross so much and I love people so much, I'm going to share the gospel with them. 
He, was, he said, I am eager, verse 15, he says in this chapter, he says, as so much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He said, listen, I can't wait to get there. And not because I want to see your beautiful facility. Not because I want to spend time with you so all the time. He said, I want to preach the gospel. I want you to know that lives can be transformed and changed because of that. Hey, whenever we go out, let's share the gospel. Let's pass out a track. Let's knock on some doors. Let's keep doing what we can. Keep honoring the Lord of glory, being faithful unto him. The size and reputation of the city did not discourage Paul's evangelistic zeal. He understood that. He didn't let popular opinion, religious oppression keep him from delivering the message that God gave him. Why well, it says right down there in verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What is the gospel? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. He died. Listen, he died. He was buried. But on the third day, he rose again. He lives. We serve a risen Savior. Do you realize there are a lot of people that have religion? They have no righteousness in Christ. It's not because we're better than they are that we're going to heaven. We've just been blessed by God's grace. And God wants us to share that grace with others as we serve him. The word power here is a word that actually means the word in the English translation of dynamite, which means the gospel is supernatural. The gospel is supernatural in its power to move hearts, to change people's lives. God's word changes lives. Your choir may have sung that before. You believe God's word changes lives? You read it, don't you? You study it. You memorize it. You bring your Bible to the house of God. You get message from your pastor and others continually because God's word changes lives. Paul said, I'm excited about being there because I want to edify. First, I thank God for who you are. I want to edify you. I want to lift you up. I want to build you up. I want to pray for you. But I also want you to know I want to assemble with you to evangelize the gospel. Listen, church, it's not just about you and I. It's about others. People need the Lord. May God help us to share that message. It says right here that we need to have the confidence in the power of the gospel. Paul did not plan to go to Rome with a strategy to win the Romans with some philosophical message in the power of his great eloquence, even though the Bible says that his words were weighty and when he spoke, people listened, but he said his bodily presence was disgusting. Probably looked like me, ugly. But the reality is, it wasn't his presence that changed their lives. It was the power of God. And you may have co-workers, you may have loved ones and family members and people that need the Lord. And if you and I, if you and I, beloved, do not tell them, they can be eternally separated from God forever. If we really love the cross, should we not believe in the power of the gospel? And I believe that we do. But notice the rest of the passage, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel is the power of God, friends, unto salvation because, because it declares the righteousness of God. Romans chapter number 10. For they, being ignorant, Israel, of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. The Bible said all our righteousness is as filthy rags. We don't deserve heaven we don't deserve salvation, but aren't you glad you know how to be saved? And that somebody told you about it, and you accepted Christ as your Savior, and you understand the importance of edifying one another in Christ, provoking one another to love and good works, 
and the importance of evangelizing the world with the power of the cross. I love the cross, Paul is saying. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. It reveals the way that a sinner can receive God's righteousness. And how is it? The just, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. God's word was proclaimed. The Holy Ghost brought conviction. The illumination of the Holy Ghost of God brought his word to a place of revelation. And you understood your need for Christ. And you got saved that day. But don't keep it a secret. Keep admonishing others to follow God. So the central idea of this whole thing is that Paul was eager to take the gospel to Rome because he was confident in the power of the gospel. He was confident in the power of the gospel. You and I should eagerly take the gospel to those here in Sioux Falls because we can be confident in the power of the gospel. He can take a woman of the night and make her a lady of the light. He can take a drunkard and save him and even use him in the ministry. He can take someone that seems like he is hopeless, non-desirous, a barbarian, someone that's nobody, not even desirous of following God. But yet when the gospel is preached, their life can be changed. I love what Paul said later on, and such were some of you. And we weren't perfect. We understand we needed a Savior. We heard the message. We've received Christ. So let me just give some application here and we'll be through tonight. I'd like to ask this question. Should we not eagerly take the gospel to those in Sioux Falls because we know the gospel has great power? Are we confident that God can change people's lives with the truth? I believe we should be. How about this tonight? Let's evaluate the way that we view church attendance. There's a lot of folks here tonight. Thank you for being faithful. But do you come to receive what God wants to give you when you come to the house of God? Do you come with a smile on your face or you come upset? Do you come to participate or just to be here? Let's evaluate that tonight. Do you look forward to times of assembling together or great, here we go again. If I don't go, pastor will be after me. You know, I am one of the officers in the church. Shame on us. We should be desirous of edification like Paul said. He said, I want to come to Rome the fellowship with you. Hey, listen, the last time I was here was about six years ago. But if the rapture comes, I'm going to haunt you for eternity. We're going to be in heaven together. I'm going to be out of a job because there's no sin up there. I'll be praising the Lord like the rest of us. But think about your life tonight. Your pastor's not your enemy. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are not your enemy. They're trying to edify you with the truth of God's word. May God help us to be encouragement to others. When somebody comes to the house of God, show yourself friendly. Love one another. Encourage one another. You've done that to me tonight. Thank you for your friendliness. But no matter what your day is filled with, keep that happiness. Keep the joy of the Lord as your strength. In spite of your circumstances, live above them. Trust the Lord. Evaluate the way that you and I view church attendance. How about this? May God help us to evaluate our evangelistic efforts. To evaluate that. You know, most people are on their way to a Christless eternity. Over 7 billion people in our world do you plan on letting them know that if they do not get saved that hell is the place where they will dwell i know it's hard to tell people that well i just don't believe in that place whether they believe in it or not he's the same yesterday today and forever and he is coming back and those that do not know christ will be lost for eternity they have not heard the gospel 
And if they don't hear the gospel, they're going to die and be separated from God. May God help us to share that gospel message, to let them know what God is doing, what he can do in their lives. Have you personally shared your faith and your testimony of how God transformed you? It can be done in your family, at your work, in your neighborhood, a lot of places. May God help us to have the courage and the boldness to speak up, to pass out a track, to invite them to church. I know that the teachers and the preachers can help do this, but we all are responsible. Paul said, first, I thank God for this. Now, let's remember we're debtors. We're debtors to evangelize those around us. Don't you want your church to grow? I mean, I think we would. You want your church to grow and to flourish and to honor the Lord? Sure we should. And so if we think about this, we need to evaluate, by way of application, our view of church attendance. We need to evaluate our evangelistic efforts. And lastly tonight, evaluate your confidence in the gospel. Does the cross have any importance? Or is the cross of none effect? You see, we know what happened on the cross. Let's not, let's not be secretive about it. I use this a lot. My mom had polio growing up as a child. But Jonas Salk came up with the vaccine for polio. And he announced to the whole world, no children have to have polio anymore. For he's found the vaccine. He didn't keep it a family secret. He told anybody and everybody that had a child with polio, you get this vaccine, it will help you. They told everyone they could. May God help us to evaluate in our hearts tonight our confidence in the gospel. Let's not be hesitant to share the gospel message. Let's not doubt the power of the word of God. It can transform lives. Don't hesitate to share the gospel with those that are intellectual. You give them what you know about Jesus. Just be a witness. Tell them what you know. Do you believe the gospel church can change everyone who believes it? I do. Has the gospel changed you? Do you love the cross? Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The greatest hope for the city of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, is the cross of Christ and the power of the gospel. We can take the gospel to our Rome, Sioux Falls, in this area. If we'll trust its power, it can make a difference. A proper estimation of the gospel produces, I believe, an eagerness to evangelize. If we don't think it works, we won't be sharing it. But if we believe that it can, Paul said, I want to come, that I might have fruit that would abound, fruit that would be on my account, not because he wanted to put another notch in his belt, but he wanted people to be saved by the grace of God. The young lady sang, I love the cross. As a young 11-year-old boy, I loved the Chicago Cubs. I loved that transistor radio that I worked hard for and got those S&H green stamps and traded it in. But really, that's not what really love is. I had a strong affection for her. But Paul said, I love the cross. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I don't know when it happened for you, but if you're saved tonight by the grace of God, you ought to be thankful like Paul was. You ought to be praying for people that aren't saved, that God could use your testimony and your life to be an influence to see them come to Christ. The churches that I pastored, I'll tell you, brother, the churches that I pastored, 
when I went to those churches, I said, I want you to tell me three people that you'd love to see in church and be saved. That's how our churches grew. We'd take them out to see their family members, see a co-worker, and to see them come to Christ. And if every church member has that, God can use you, he can use others, that fruit would abound to the glory of God. Little is much when God is in it. But when he illuminates and he works, he works wonderfully. I thought I loved my radio, but in reality, I didn't love it. Now that I'm saved by the grace of God, I love the cross. I love my church, my pastor, my family. And you can just keep adding to that. So tonight, as we close out the invitation, if you're here tonight, you're not saved. We can take a Bible and show you that the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ can be validated by his word. His love has been shown and expressed. And you can leave here today part of the family of God. And if you are saved by his wonderful grace, let's not forget the goodness of God to the children of men. Let's realize that people still need the Lord, and God might just use you. If you believe, the gospel has power. If you believe he can change people's lives, maybe there's someone we ought to be praying for, that they might come to Christ, for it's eternally too late. The next step, hopefully it's not out that door. Hopefully the next step is in your heart. There's somebody I want to pray for. Somebody that needs Jesus, and he'll give you strength for the journey to help you to get that accomplished. What are you going to do as you evaluate your church attendance, as you evaluate your evangelistic effort, and as you evaluate with me the confidence of the gospel? God's word changes lives. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.